welcome to the latest episode of How to Blank in 15 Minutes. Um, this week, we're dealing with the dreaded query letter. Um, hopefully, though, by the end of this session, it won't be so dreaded and you'll have great tips and tricks to getting yours to the top of the pile. Um, I'm one of your hosts, Chantalami Osman, and your other host is Brian Young. And um, so, Brian, what's your experience with query letters? Well, I mean, as a writer, as a working writer, I've sent a lot of query letters over a lot of years. And I mean, I started sending query letters to Hollywood folks for screenplays back when I still had to do it with a self-addressed stamped envelope. So I've been querying a lot over a long time. And, uh, you know, I, I landed an agent with it. I've done, you know, had books published thanks to my queries. Um, and have always sort of dreaded not the process of writing it, but the process of sending it and getting the rejection. And now I find myself like looking for uh, a new agent uh, and back in the process, back in the game. So I'm wondering what tips you can give me uh, for my query letter as I'm going out to query more to, you know, get to that top of the pile. Because I never know what to include. I'm always... Um, second guessing what parts of my background or or what parts of the story I need to tell. And so I'm really interested in your perspective on that. Well, honestly, this is a question that comes up so frequently that I think that we can probably do this how to in, I'm going to say seven minutes or less if I talk really fast, which I won't. Um, but Honestly, this is one of the easier steps in the submission process. I know that there are a million how-tos on this online and everybody has a different example or different, this worked for me. Um, And of course, sometimes a crazy five-page rambling letter will get you um, you know, an agent or an editor, but that's not guaranteed. Um, So I, I have come up with a tried and true method, which is basically, um, just the non-offensive way to write a query letter. Like it's going to give everybody who's reading it the information that they need upfront. Um, and I'll explain why that's important in a minute. And this is not like in the synopsis, which we did in a separate episode, um, which may or may not have aired yet. That's a place where you do want to be creative. You want to show your voice and you want to make sure you're telling a story. Query letter is not a place to reinvent the wheel. Um, So basically, here it goes. Super easy. First paragraph, you want your title, your genre, your word count, and your little hook or one-line teaser. So, you know, my name is X. I wrote, you know, Joe's Guide to Cat Grooming. It is 80,000 words. It's a thriller. Surprising based on the title, I know. Um, And then, like, your little hook, that that one-line thing that, you know, is just going to, you know, what what happens uh, when a cat groomer gets stuck on a spacecraft um, with no cats to groom some stupid rhetorical question that's hopefully better than that or one really engaging line to kind of prime the reader now i'll explain why all of those things are necessary in the first paragraph because again like i said you'll see a bunch of suggestions that's like put that in the last paragraph people agents editors whoever's reading your query letter i can guarantee get anywhere from 10 to 500 of these a day 
And there are certain things that we need to know. And if we learn them upfront, we know immediately if it's right for us or wrong for us. Because unlike some of our listeners, Brian, some writers don't do their homework. So for example, I acquire crime fiction and horror. So if I get a query letter and in the first paragraph, it tells me it's Joe's Guide for Cat Grooming and it's a memoir, or if it's a romance, I know that that's not something that I publish. So I can immediately pass on that one. Or if it said it was crime fiction or or horror, I'm going to be really excited and know I can keep reading. So not knowing those things up front, that it's a genre that I acquire, as opposed to wading through the entire thing before I get to that, is key. The other thing is word count is important. If you've written a crime fiction that's 300,000 words, I know that that's a red flag right there. You know, an average is, let's say, 70 to 90 with a little bit of wiggle room. Um, so these are things that I want to know up front because these are things that I can kick you out of the pile or be excited about immediately. Then the next two paragraphs are going to be your mini synopsis, um, which basically is going to tell me a little bit about the story. You're only talking about the protagonist. You're going to give me, you know, a little bit about their normal life, you know, before the conflict um, and what they need and what the goal is and the resolution. Um, So just, just very brief, think about, you know, what you see on the back of a book or um, to an extent, a fleshed out, you know, kind of TV guide um, description of something that's going to tell me what happens. Um, and, And that's just two paragraphs. Don't go into too much detail. Make it engaging. Your last paragraph is what I call the about me paragraph. And there should really be only three things in there. And if none of these three things apply to you, that's absolutely fine as well. This is really a value add paragraph because I like to know about the author. And so if this paragraph isn't in there, I will generally respond, especially if it's to an agent or something and say, tell me a little bit about the author. So things I want to know are number one, what makes you um, a professional writer? Um, maybe you are submitting fiction, but you have written a bunch of nonfiction um, articles, books, whatever. Um, that makes you a professional writer. It doesn't have to be directly on point. Um, you um, teach writing. You belong to various, you know, Horror Writers of America, Sisters in Crime, um, Mystery Writers of America. You um, belong to various other writing groups. Um, you run a conference. Um, anything that shows me that you're not like a one-hit wonder, this is the only thing that you've written, um, that you might have worked in the past with an editor, um, or just that that you have a passion for the business um, and that you're going to keep writing. So that's number one. Number two is anything that makes you an expert in what you've written. So, you know, that in our in our cat groomer scenario, you, you know, have owned a cat grooming business for 30 years. Um, you are a cat. You know, it, it can be very tenuous to what's going on there, but I kind of like to know either, you know, I was inspired to write this by my, you know, decade as a cat groomer, or, you know, I I have bred cats for 20 years, or you know, my parents bred cats, something, even if it's, this is set in X place, and I have spent a lot of time in X place. So anything that makes you a quote unquote expert on any part of what you've written. 
And then the last thing is anything that makes you independently marketable. So, you know, you've won an Olympic gold medal. Um, you have traveled in an itinerant band playing the flugelhorn. Um, you've climbed Mount Kilimanjaro with Johnny Cash, something where it doesn't matter how obscure it is, but it's something that if I were to say book you for an interview, over and above anything to do with your book, you could talk about this subject matter. And so these are all value adds, um, you know, things to avoid in that paragraph or, you know, I've written since I was five. Um, you know, I've always liked books. Well, we hope these things are true. Um, and, and also a lot of this realize is priming your reader um, to get to the synopsis, to get to your full manuscript. You're intriguing them. You're making them want to know more. And you also want to make sure that it's accurate. And this is, again, why I like that first paragraph up front to have that genre and that like kicker line sentence um, that's going to set us up. Because I still remember, and I'll, I'll give you a minute, I swear, Brian, to talk. Um, but but one of the things that I still to this day, and I wish I could remember the author's name because I, I tell this story and I would love to give credit, but I was listening to a pitch, um, which basically works just like a query letter, FYI. So if you've got a good query letter, you've got your in-person pitch already, but that's an aside. Um, and, and this woman was talking um, about her book and it sounded, I swear to you, like, you know, standard women's fiction, chiclet, um, woman unhappy at her, her, you know, routine job. Um, every day she'd go home, you know, alone. She was kind of obsessed with the hot neighbor next door. Would she talk to him that day? Would she not, you know, would they take out their bins at the same time? Um, she decided, you know, again, to chicken out, not talk to him was, um, on the sofa watching TV when the alien walked down the staircase. And I have no idea what happened with the rest of that pitch? Because I was so confused that an alien walked down the staircase because at the beginning, I did not have, um, you know, this was sci-fi or anything in that like hook line that would prime me to hear that. I was so stunned that I didn't hear the rest of the pitch. And that's the sort of thing that you want to avoid. And that's why this... Um, this is a good um, outline for a query letter. I think I'm done, Brian. <laughs> one thing, one thing, just a tip that I've been told repeatedly, and hopefully you would concur with me on this, but the sentence, the part of the sentence, the part of the query where you say like, hello, I'm seeking representation or publication for this. It's like, cut all of that because that's obvious. You wouldn't be sending a query if you weren't seeking representation or publication. And I have to say that, of the queries that I get, because my publishing house is open to unagented submissions, which means that we'll take it directly from the author and we don't necessarily have to have an agent submit it. I can't tell you the number of times that I get, I am seeking representation for, because people forget to take that or change that from their query letter. And so I honestly, sometimes I'm not being, you know, a terrible person, Sometimes I swear, um, but I, I often don't know if they actually think that I'm an agent and are looking for one, or if they really sent that to me on purpose and just forgot to change the line. So moral of the story is get rid of that line entirely. Yeah, that would probably be a good, good, good moral. And then the other one is in, in like things that help in your biography that can help 
with marketing experience. Oh, yes, of course. If you have 10,000 followers on Twitter. Oh, and one thing that I did, and we'll go back to marketing in one quick second, but one thing that I did forget, because it's a question that comes up a lot, is how do you talk about books that are self-published? Like, does that go toward your credit? And honestly, um, unless that self-published book has sold over 10,000 copies, um, I probably would leave it out. Um, But the reason to include it sometimes is to make sure that the agent or editor does not believe that this is your debut novel, because that can count for a lot of publicity, a lot of awards, that sort of thing. So if you have published something else, that would no longer be your debut. Yeah. I think that like spending too much time on that, like I really think self-publishing is a great option. Indie publishing is a great option. But you really got to be careful if you haven't done it yet. And if you want to go traditional, it seems like you're going to want to wait and see if you can do a traditional debut if you want to use that as I completely agree because, I mean, honestly, the agents that I know and speaking for myself as an acquiring editor, debut comes with like little sparkly stars around it when we read that word. Um, it, It just adds a certain added element of novelty of um, everybody's going to get excited about this person in this book. Um, A little bit of cachet that, I mean, I'm not saying I I publish a ton of writers who, uh, how do I phrase this appropriately, have have had wonderful established careers and then decide to kind of go crazy and try something new. And that new thing is amazing and different and awesome. Um, so kind of getting a second bite at that apple, um, with a new audience, but it still, um, you know, does not come with that little bit of glitter around it that a debut does. Yeah. So I think we're, we're about out of time, Chantel. So hopefully yeah, I people the whole have, time. sorry on that one, Brian. No, I, that's your expertise. I write queries, but you get to read them professionally. So your, uh, you know, your input on them and what to make what what to make of them is much more valuable than mine. I mean, I've done it and it works, but the first person I always go to for help is you anyway. So well, thank you. That but that's because a you have bad taste and no friends. Um, neither of those things are true, by the way. Um, no, right. I think I think that I think they are true. <laughs> it's not true. Um, okay, so that was your fifteen minutes or probably more on how to write a query letter. Um, as always, we want your input. Let us know what topics that you want to learn in fifteen minutes, um, or what you don't. Um, tell us that you don't like us. That also works. Any feedback is good. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Suspense Siren. You can find the podcast on Twitter um, at Pray Words. Um, and follow us on the Pipeline Artist Network. And Brian, we can find you. Uh, you can find me at uh, on Twitter at Swankmotron, or you can sign up for my newsletter at swankmotron.com. All right, great. Until the next 15. <laughs>